Hello, and welcome to a new episode of our Let's Talk Vape uh, podcast series, where we post new episodes uh, discussing topics surrounding the somewhat controversial subject around vaping um, each month on our YouTube channel, as well as Spotify. Uh, We are prevention specialists uh, with the Alcohol and Other Drug Department from Helpline Youth Counseling. And this podcast series is brought to you by Helpline Youth Counseling and our sponsors, UCLA Kaiser Health. Um, My name is Lauren. Uh, My name is Gabriela Morgado. And I would like to introduce to you a very special guest for this uh, month's episode, Jacqueline Garcia. Um, She is a health promotion specialist at the American Lung Association. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode, Jacqueline. Um, Would you be able to tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you do? Yes, so um, I am a health promotion specialist, um, as you said, with the American Lung Association in Los Angeles. And um, just to give some more background on the American Lung Association, it's a national organization that works to save lives by improving lung health and preventing lung disease through education, advocacy, and research. So our mission is to defeat lung cancer, um, champion clean air for all, and create a tobacco-free future. So we're invested in everything that impacts lung health, but I specifically work against big tobacco through health promotion in Los Angeles. I conduct outreach to community organizations and um, educate people about improving tobacco policies in cities and um, just in general, the dangers of commercial tobacco products. Sounds great. Sounds like we'll be learning a lot today. (laughs) Um, I wanna follow that up with a question. Um, my next, our next question for you is, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the vaping policies and um, policy efforts, like what they look like when vape devices, wait, I'm sorry, when vape devices first hit the market to what they look like now? Yes. So, well, vaping is relatively new. So when vaping first started to gain popularity, it did so because it was marketed as a safer alternative than smoking traditional cigarettes. But as time went on, it became clear that the tobacco industry created e-cigarettes as a mean to draw youth back into nicotine addiction since smoking, uh, the smoking prevalence uh, was falling among youth. So um, then all these flavors were released and more and more kids started to be interested in vaping. And now we have a youth vaping epidemic. So Um, In the beginning, there weren't really many policies regarding vaping early on because it was still new and unknown. And to this day, there's still limited research on the effects of vaping and e-cigarettes compared to what we know about traditional cigarettes. Um, But what we do know is that e-cigarettes are not a healthy alternative. They're dangerous and toxic to our bodies um, in their own way. Uh, And they don't really help people overcome addiction, people will just switch from smoking cigarettes to smoking electronic cigarettes. So um, as we learn more about how toxic vaping really is, uh, then we can build a greater consensus around policy advocacy and implementation. Uh, We still have a lot of work to do to protect communities and and, uh, get more policies passed to prevent um, this issue from getting even a bigger problem. Uh, 
Thank you, Jacqueline. Yeah, so I definitely agree that we do still have a lot more work to do. Um, but do you know if there are any federal laws um, surrounding vaping um, so far or yet? Um, you know, not currently. The only federal law that is regarding, the only federal law is really that the legal age to purchase tobacco products is 21 years old, which was raised recently from 18 years old. But other than that, there's not so much on a federal level. Mm -hmm. And what about on the state law? Like, are there any um, state laws put in place related to vaping in the state of California? Again, it's minimal. The state of California requires uh, tobacco customers to be at least 21 years old. And then the state does also have taxes placed on the costs of purchasing tobacco products. Certain areas um, in the state will do not allow vaping, um, but that's just in general, like, you know, no smoking in public places, no smoking in the workplace. So again, it's nothing as constrict as we hope that it could be. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like the laws within California, do each like city within California, do they follow the same laws as the state or do they have their own jurisdiction when it comes to like regarding or it comes to like um, vaping policies? There are only very minimal regulations when it comes to vaping. So oftentimes cities have to rely on their own municipal policies. Um, when it comes to tobacco control. Um, the issue is that many cities will not prioritize tobacco control. And so there's limited regulations in each city and we're trying to change that. But it is up to each city to create their own policies. Okay, that's, that's very interesting. So it might kind of follow the same way that um, like marijuana laws are and how like in California, they can have each jurisdiction can kind of make their own uh, laws as well. So it's will kind of be like that. Yeah, exactly. I had another question. So I know in August of last year, um, Governor Newsom signed a California law banning the state of flavored tobacco products, but the law was put in hold on hold January 2021. Um, can you tell us why it was actually put on hold, um, if you do know? Yeah, so I believe you're referring to Senate Bill 793. And to answer your question, when the tobacco industry learned that this uh, law was you know, coming into play, they put a lot of effort into lobbying against it because they knew mm -hmm. banning flavored tobacco products permanently would force the industry to lose their largest target population, which is youth and young adults. Um, since this population is most interested in flavored tobacco products more than just you know, non-flavored, um, it would have been a big risk to the industry to allow this law to pass without a fight. So they, the tobacco industry spent millions and millions of dollars into campaigning against um, SB 793. And a lot of the money came from tobacco companies themselves like Philip Morris and RJ Reynolds Tobacco. So that's really interesting. So it was definitely, it was put on hold because of big tobacco. Um, but is there any like efforts to push this law into effect on the opposing side or what's uh, going on with that? Yeah, so the law is still, uh, still has a chance at being passed um, and will be on the November 2022 ballot for California residents to vote on. 
And um, so once that happens, we can finally learn the outcome and see if, you know, if it can be passed. Um, but the best way to make sure that the law gets passed is to make sure that people are aware of it, first of all, and understand how crucial it is to public health. And um, so that's sort of like the work that I'm doing with the American Lung Association and um, the Compadres for Tobacco-Free Los Angeles County um, also supports this. Yeah, I think that's really great because I feel like a lot of people, like you mentioned, aren't aware that this is even um, gonna be in the November uh, 22 ballot. So that's a good amount of time to um, promote and you know let people be aware of this. That's great. Um, so another question that I have for you are, um, would this law include um, a flavor ban on um, flavor disposable vapes and flavor vape juice that is sold separately or is it just for the flavor? I believe that it includes any flavored tobacco products. So the only items that this law doesn't include would be hookah products, loose leaf tobacco, and cigars. Okay, thank you. And um, would you happen to know while we're on the um, topic about uh, policies and laws, are there any like local policies or policy efforts that are being developed to prevent um, youth vaping, because we know that that obviously is a huge problem, and hopefully um, the flavor ban will uh, curb some of this youth vaping, but is there any other policy, like local policies or policy efforts being developed to, that you happen to know about? Yes, so just this year, actually, there have been some great progress in tobacco control in the local area. So, for instance, um, in September of this year, Pico Rivera issued a moratorium on new smoke shops in the city. So, meaning that the city council placed a temporary ban on allowing any new smoke shop to operate in the city while um, they looked into creating longer term tobacco control policies. This uh, wouldn't affect existing smoke shops, but it would just place a limit on allowing any more. Another example I know about is in the city of Laverne. The city made the decision to ban flavored tobacco products ahead of the results of the SB 739 law that we just discussed. Um, so they're just taking the initiative themselves um, as a city to ban flavored tobacco. And um, their decision was heavily influenced by local community coalitions that spread awareness about the importance of banning flavored tobacco uh, because of the risk that it holds in attracting youth to start vaping. So we hope that these moves influence other surrounding cities um, that still need to improve their tobacco control efforts because there are a lot of cities in Southeast Los Angeles that haven't updated their tobacco control policies um, in, you know, sometimes in decades or don't have any policies at all. So um, the best way for cities to control tobacco in their jurisdiction is through tobacco retail licensing. And what is tobacco retail licensing exactly? Tobacco retail licensing is a particular mandate that a city can adopt to maintain a greater control of uh, tobacco product sales within the city. So it requires that all smoke shops or any kind of store that sells tobacco um, abide by several restrictions. And that would be prohibiting selling tobacco to minors, uh, limiting the proximity of one tobacco retailer from the other, um, specifically not within 1,000 feet of another retailer. 
And then there's also an annual fee that the retailers must pay to retain their license. Um, sometimes you could take it even a step uh, further and include a limitation on flavored tobacco product sales. Um, yeah, but once a city enacts tobacco retail licensing, any tobacco retailer that does not comply will be fined or possibly have a suspension from continuing sales. So um, these tobacco control policies are really important because then we can reduce smoking prevalence in particular cities um, and especially among youth. So that's really interesting that it, you said that it was a city of Laverne that um, their community members were the ones that basically put or fought to get the flavor ban uh, in place over the state law, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah. I think that's a really good thing for other community members to know that they can actually make a difference in their community and could um, get these laws into place um, in their own uh, communities before even the state law comes into place. So I think that's great. But other than that flavor ban, sorry, flavor ban, are there any um, laws or regulations on the specific ingredients or chemicals um, that can be used in vape juice? Do you know about that? That is an interesting question you bring up because as of now, there are no vape uh, products that are regulated. And when I say regulated, I'm talking about the Food and Drug Administration. So there are no quote unquote FDA approved vape products. That being said, if vape products are not being regulated, there are no requirements that say a company must list their ingredients on the products of the label. So they typically, um, you know, uh, companies that create vape products, they don't label what is in their vape juices. In fact, um, a recent John Hopkins study found that there were thousands of unknown chemicals found in vape juice. And the few that ingredients that scientists were able to identify were toxic, like some, some were the pesticides, in fact. Um, and also, they tend to add a common flavoring um, in, in vape products, what's called diacetyl, which is an approved food flavoring, but it's not meant to be inhaled. So when it is inhaled in these vape products, um, it tends to uh, make the vaping process less irritating to the throat. And that allows people to smoke for longer sessions without feeling you know, any kind of irritation. But then um, since they're you know, smoking for longer time, they're inhaling more of the chemicals um, and more nicotine in a single session. So um, all that to say, there are no regulations placed on vape products currently, and that's what makes them even more dangerous to, uh, you know, to vape. That's really very scary that they can basically put whatever they want in that and there's no regulations or laws surrounding it. So that's really scary. Um, so thank you for answering all of those questions about policies and laws. Um, but I also wanted to know, what do you think that uh, we as a community um, should be doing in order to prevent the use of vapes? I think it will take a lot of effort for things to you know, change in that respect. Um, the good news is that we've learned a lot from the past and from past policy efforts regarding cigarettes. And so we can now apply what we've learned to vaping. I think it starts with education for the most part. 
people don't fully understand how dangerous vaping is, especially young people. So they need to be made aware, not only how harmful it is to their health, but also the health of others because secondhand smoke still applies to the vapor from e-cigarettes. Um, and after that knowledge component is there, people can have more of a motivation to do something about it and um, bring these concerns to their local legislature. People can attend city council meetings and speak during the public comment section to show you know, their city council that it's an issue that the community cares about and um, get city council to consider taking action. Is there a website where the public can get more information on like local efforts and um, laws regulating um, and then laws regulating and regarding vaping? Yes, so I, I think I would like to direct people to um, the Compadres for Tobacco-Free Los Angeles County website. Um, so they have updates on the progress of advocacy efforts all across Los Angeles and also have ways to get involved if you know people are interested. The website is um, compadreslac.org. Well, thank you so much, Jacqueline, um, for all that great information. And thank you for joining us on um, this episode of Let's Talk Vape podcast series. Um, so as this brings us to the end of this month's podcast, um, we wanted to note again, we wanted to note that we are all not uh, licensed health professionals and everything we talk about is not intended to be a substitute um, for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Um, we are only here to share opinions uh, based off of uh, research that we have done. Um, be sure to always to seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding vaping, smoking, um, or treatment uh, for uh, vaping or cigarette addiction. Um, we hope you enjoyed this month's Let's Talk Vape podcast episode. Um, if you have any questions regarding this episode, please email um, me at lgraziani at hyc.org. Again, that's L-G-R-A-Z-I-A-N. And I at hycinc.org. Um, and if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, our handle is AODPS underscore HYC. Uh, this is where we will be promoting our new episodes. Um, uh, we will also upload them to um, our YouTube channel and also Spotify. So thanks again for listening, and we hope you check out our next month's episode. <laughs>